morning. Good morning. How are we this morning? Excellent. I love it. Oh, good, good. I'm so glad to hear it. Well, my name is Rachel, and I'm on the teaching team here at New Life. And if you um, are new with us this morning, we are in the middle of our roundtable series. We do it once a year. We bust out the roundtables. And our series this year is on the character of God. And so we're asking essentially the question, who do we really believe God is? And what kind of a God is he? And our discussion is based upon Exodus 34, 6 and 7, where God describes himself for the very first time in the Bible. And so we're going to go ahead and read that. And actually, let's just let's read it together, shall we? All right, Exodus 34, 6 through 7. And God passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, Yahweh, Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. All right, so far we have talked about God's compassion and his grace, and today we have finally come to the third characteristic, slow to anger. Now, we needed to lay a foundation with the first two characteristics, that God is deeply emotionally invested in his people, and he longs to be in relationship with us. Because when we approach the topic of God's anger, and we aren't grounded in those truths, it is very easy for us to misunderstand God's anger, and that can have really devastating consequences. So now that we're firmly rooted in his compassion, everybody hold up your hands. In this hand, we've got compassion. Hold on to it. In this hand, we've got grace. Hold on to it. We've got compassion and grace. And now that we're, we're, our arms are, are loaded with God's compassion and grace, we're going to go into God's anger. Are we ready? All right, let's do it. All right, so I know many of you have been anxiously waiting for us to get to this characteristic, and I believe that that's because this is a part of God that we don't really understand well. And to be honest, uh, we don't talk about it uh, much a lot because we don't really know what to do with it. And so this is what I call the problem of God's wrath for modern readers of the Bible. Okay, so there are some stories in the where God responds in a way that seems really disproportionate, like a crazy person who has totally lost control. And so when you start to stack up this handful of stories and you take them out of context, you walk away with a really distorted view of God. And I guarantee you, if you were to pull unbelievers about why they won't believe or even like the God of the Bible, this is one of the main obstacles. And these stories, they circulate and they stick in your memory. Memory. So when you come to Exodus 34 and God says he's slow to anger, you can think, eh, no, he's not. And this is made so much worse when we have a history of being wounded by angry people. 
and we bring our woundedness into the biblical story, and instead of allowing the God of the Bible to shape and define our story, our wounds shape and define who God is. In my own story, the issue of God's anger paralyzed me from being able to trust him because when I saw him seemingly lash out in rage, I was triggered and saw him as an abuser. And when we see a God in a position of power appearing to lose control and inflict harm, it can be so confusing because for many of us, anger has become synonymous with abuse. And even if that isn't your story, at the very least, many feel uncomfortable broaching the topic of God's anger. So I'm going to ask you to be totally honest right now. If you find yourself anywhere on the spectrum from I am mildly uncomfortable talking about God's anger all the way to I am paralyzed by God's anger and cannot trust him because if you are anywhere on the spectrum, would you please raise your hand? Yes, many, many of us, many of us in this room. Thank you for being honest. Now, as you can see, not everyone has an issue with God's anger. But for those of us who do, it is so important as we we go into today that we acknowledge it for what it is. If you just raise your hand, please take a piece of paper that's on the table. Can you take the piece of paper with me right now? Grab it, grab it. Grab the pen from your seat back. It's right behind you. And I want you to write something. I want you to write these words. I have been wounded. I have been wounded. And this affects how I see God. I have been wounded, and this affects how I see God. As we enter into this topic today, I'm going to ask that every time you feel triggered or confused, to look down at those words and then to make a choice to gently set your history aside so that we can allow the Bible to reset and heal our understanding of God's anger. So let's pray. God, I just, I I come to you today Lord, knowing that there has been some real hurt and pain in this room. Lord, we have all, every single one of us, had really negative, some of us even harmful experiences with people who are angry. And that hurt us deeply. And God, uh, we acknowledge right now that that affects how we see you and how we see your anger. So Jesus, right now, I just pray that you would soften our hearts that you would come and heal the way that we see you, the way that we see your anger this morning, God. Lord, that it wouldn't be, able, that it wouldn't be something that kept us from being able to trust you, God. That today you would begin a work in our hearts of being able to heal and restore what was lost so that we can truly trust in you as a God who is good and is slow to anger. I just pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's take a look at this phrase, slow to anger. In the Hebrew, it is arek 
a piam. Now, I know this is your favorite part when we talk about Hebrew, right? So I'm going to have you repeat after me. Arek, a, piam. Arek, a piam. Nice. All right, arek means long. And so a piam is funny. It's Hebrew for nose. It is the Hebrew word for nose. So this phrase could actually be translated, God is long of nose. Now, this might seem strange to us, but for the Jews, anger is depicted in the face, specifically in the nose. So whenever in the Hebrew, whenever the Bible says that somebody is nosy, it means that they are angry. So heat is also associated with anger in the Bible, very similar to our culture. Uh, Think of the movie Inside Out. Has anybody ever seen Inside Out? Yeah? Okay, so the character Anger, what color is he? And what happens when he gets angry? He starts, yeah, flames just start shooting out of his head, right? Yes, and it's exactly the same in Hebrew except shoot out of your nose, okay? Yeah, so um, fire, fire, heat, all of that stuff is associated with that. And we actually, the Hebrew word for heat is where we get the word wrath in English, So what's interesting is when we think of wrath, we tend to think of it as being like super duper angry, right? Like we think of wrath as as being rageful, extreme anger on steroids, but this is not true in Hebrew. Wrath is just a synonym for anger. So these two words for anger, nose and heat, Wrath and anger are used interchangeably, and they mean exactly the same thing. So, and this brings us to the Hebrew idiom. In Hebrew, when you say someone's nose burned hot, what do you think it means? When their nose burned hot. They're angry. You nailed it. Man, you guys, 100 points. So, when we see this phrase, arek apayim, long of nose... It means that it takes a long time for God's nose to burn hot. So what the God of the Bible wants us to see about him is that while he does get angry, what is at the core of his character is how he responds. And that is with patience and foresight. He is slow to get angry. In the King James Version, arek apayim is translated long-suffering. And this is actually a beautiful translation. It captures the grief of God as he patiently endures our sin. God's fuse is really, really long, and he suffers a long time before he gets angry. So what God is saying of himself here forces us to reassess this picture of God as a wrathful, angry God. You see, God is compassion. He is grace. He is loving and faithful. But God's anger is not who he is. It is not a part of his character. So God's anger in the Bible is always in response to sin. Always. If sin did not exist... God's anger would not exist. So God is actually saying he is the opposite of a wrathful God. He is long of nose. He is slow to wrath, slow 
to anger. And this word anger, just like compassionate and gracious, it's an emotional word. You're going to find it on a feelings chart, right? And in our first week of this sermon series, we had to answer the question, would I want to serve a God who is not emotionally invested in me? And what did we all say? We said no, right? We don't want, we don't want some deity who doesn't feel anything towards us. God is an emotional God, and this is fundamental to understanding who he is. He responds and relates to us through his emotions, including anger. Because of our woundedness, we can view anger as a hateful, negative thing, but in actuality, when anger is expressed in a healthy way, it's not inappropriate. It can be positive, and it can allow people to know what we really care about. When God gets angry, it means he cares deeply. And I don't think that we really have an issue with God getting angry. I think the real heart of the question is this. What exactly makes God angry? And when he gets angry, does he respond appropriately or proportionately? So the the real heart of the question is this. What makes him angry? And when he gets angry, does he respond proportionately? So we're going to explore that. All right, for 20 points, who is the first person in the Bible that God gets angry at? 20 points. Adam? Nope. 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 First person. Keep going. No more guesses? Nope. 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 Oh, that's all right. That's okay. You guys are doing so good. Okay, so the first person that God gets angry at in the Bible is Moses. Moses. Okay, now, this is 54 chapters deep into the Bible. Think about all that has happened in the story so far. You guys named it. Adam and Eve has happened. We know what happened there. Tower of Babel, the flood, the flood. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all the stuff that they did. And nowhere in any one of those stories does it say that God's nose burned hot. So from the very beginning, we can see God's fuse is long. He has not been angry yet. So this morning, we're going to take a look at the first three times God gets angry in the Bible. They're all in the book of Exodus. And this is going to show us what God really cares about. Okay. The first time God's nose burned hot was against Moses. Yes. All right, anytime God does something for the first time, we need to really pay attention because he is setting the baseline for who he is. God asks Moses five times to go and rescue his people from slavery in Egypt, and Moses persistently says no. And after the fifth rejection, what does God do? We're going to read about it. Exodus 4, 14. Then Yahweh's nose burned hot against Moses. And he said, what about your brother, Aaron, the Levite? He can speak well. In fact, he's already on his way to meet you. You speak to him and put words in his mouth, and then I will help both of you speak and teach you what 
to do. So Moses, the fifth time, he says, no, I can't do it. I don't speak well. God gets angry. And what happens? He helps Moses. So this is so important. The first time that God gets angry is after the fifth time. Everybody say fifth time. Fifth time of asking Moses to go rescue his people. And when he gets angry, he is restrained and compassionate, and he gives Moses a helper in his fear and stubbornness. Now, this does not mean that God is going to respond this way every time. But this story sets the stage for what we can expect of God's anger. So in this particular story, why does God get angry? God gives Moses three signs with the staff, assures him he will provide absolutely everything he will need, he will pave his way, he guarantees him he will be successful, and Moses persistently resists him and doesn't believe that he is reliable and trustworthy. So why does God get angry? Moses refuses to trust in God. Notice God's anger here is in a relational context. It is very frustrating for God when those he has bound himself to continue to not trust him. It would be like you're in a new relationship building trust with someone and you have been so generous and so kind and they just continue to assume the worst of you. All right, the second time God gets angry in the story is uh, God parting the Red Sea. The Israelites have left Egypt, have crossed the Red Sea, and Pharaoh's army races after them. And it says in Exodus 54, in God's hot nose, he consumes Pharaoh and his army in the waves. So let's look at the context. Pharaoh is a dictator who has been enslaving God's people brutally for at least 100 years at this point. He committed genocide by throwing the Jewish Jewish boys in the Nile River. And God has given him 10 chances. Everybody say 10 chances. chances. Like through the 10 plagues, 10 chances to change his mind. And he still won't. So God got angry at Moses after the fifth time. But this evil genocide-committing dictator gets double what Moses got. So God was slow to anger. And when he did get angry, God's response was extremely just. It's like in the movies when the bad guy finally gets what's coming to him, and you're like, yes! That's what's happening here. Pharaoh committed genocide through his army by drowning babies, the Jewish babies. Now God hands Pharaoh and his army over to be drowned in the sea. Everybody say poetic justice. Yeah, right? So why does God get angry here? God gets angry at evil, oppression, violence, and the murder of vulnerable people. All right, the third and final time God gets angry in Exodus is our story we're in right now. God has rescued his people from Egypt, provided for them, brought them to safety, 
fed them with his own hands, committed himself to protect and love them and show them favor, he has made them his representatives on earth. He has been so generous. And all they have done is complain, talk about God behind his back, and then they utterly betray him by cheating on him with another God. So God says to Moses in Exodus 15:4, now leave me alone so that my nose may burn hot against them and consume them. Then I will make you, Moses, into a great nation. So God gets angry, and I think that we can all agree it's reasonable he gets angry. And he says, I'm done. I have been extremely patient and kind to my people, and they couldn't care less about me. I'm just going to start over with you, Moses. But then something amazing happens. Moses cries out to God and intercedes for his people. He asks God to relent. And what does God do? God immediately lets go of his anger. Not because he is fickle and not because the people deserve it, but because Moses cries out and God is moved with compassion. In this third example, we see that the angriest God ever gets is at his covenant people for betraying him. God God is angered at his covenant people for deeply betraying him. And this is going to set the stage for the rest of the Bible. The angriest God will get in the Bible is at his people when they continue to deeply betray him. And I think that this makes sense if you think about it. Think about the people in your life that you are the most invested in emotionally and relationally. They're going to arouse the greatest level of emotion in you, right? They're going to make you the angriest. They're going to make you the saddest. And so these three stories in the book of Exodus are actually a perfect summary of the different ways God expresses his anger throughout the entire Bible. Sometimes God gets angry and absolutely nothing happens. Sometimes he gets angry and he enacts justice. Sometimes he gets angry and then he relents from enacting justice because his people cry out. And what these stories show us is God's anger in the Bible is always a response to sin. If sin did not exist, God's anger would not exist. God's anger is not a part of who he is, but a response to humanity's brokenness. And each of these stories God suffered a long time and gave many, many chances before his nose burned hot. But if you're like me, this is where it can get hard and tricky. I can totally get on board with God helping Moses in his anger and even drowning the evil dictator and his armies, right? I'm, I'm totally for that. Let's do that. But then God wanting to make an end of his own people. That, I think, I wonder, is that a proportionate response, right? So that is what we're going to address next week. We are going to talk about the big acts of judgment that seem to be really extra to us, 
but are extremely important for understanding who God is. But today, as we move into our roundtable discussions, I want us to hear what God is saying about himself. He says to his people in the midst of their greatest sin and failure, what I need you to know about me, the core of who I am, is I am God who is slow to anger. I am quick to grace. I am quick to compassion, quick to love, quick to be faithful. But I am slow to anger. God doesn't have a short fuse, and his anger is always grounded in his compassion, grace, love, and faithfulness. So let's turn to our table discussions this morning. We've got some questions on the table. And uh, let's try to keep the tables to no more than four. So if you can spread out a little bit um, so we can keep the discussions a little bit smaller, that would be okay. All right, you are released. <laughs> 